0: Tom,
1: what in the world did you make me read?
0: Pop Culture Affidavit presents 80 Years of DC Comics. Part 2 Romance. <laughs>
1: Cherish
0: me as much as I cherish you. Hello, and welcome to the second part of the podcast mini series 80 Years of DC Comics, presented by Pop Culture Affidavit, which is part of the Two True Freaks network of podcasts. I'm your host, Tom Paneris, and the purpose of these 12 episodes is to showcase comic books and comic book genres that DC Comics has produced in its 80-year history but are not as recognizable or celebrated as their superheroes or stories that are not as widely celebrated as what, well, usually winds up on a top 10 list. Last time around, I just took a look at 10 of my personal favorite moments in various DC Comics, or at least ones that are in my collection. This time around, though, I am going to head into a genre that really has more or less died out. Uh, with the last ongoing publication finishing in about 1977, and that's Romance. Uh, and on the podcast with me tonight to talk about romance comics is the host of Batgirl to Oracle, a Barbara Gordon podcast, and the person who is undoubtedly the undisputed world champion of shipping. <laughs> please welcome
1: Stella. <laughs> Yeah, if I could win an Olympic gold for this, I think I'd probably beat out everybody else. Hey, you know, I'm sorry that this genre died out because, boy, is it wonderful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so well written.
0: <laughs> it's, I think its lasting contribution to our popular culture is the artwork of Roy Lichtenstein. Otherwise, it's kind of interesting
1: yeah
0: writing yeah. so writing so memorable but that th- there are no writing credits on the comic.
1: <laughs> and and I'm yeah, I know I was actually looking and and trying to see if I could find someone, and it's probably oh. funny because I bet if you were to interview you know a bunch of d c creators mm-hmm. that i I bet someone would admit that hey, he'd be a big wig, and he would say, you know I actually got started writing these.
0: Yeah, I'd be curious, especially some of the ones who were bigger in the um, 70s and 80s and such. Um, You know, it's weird because the genre is the traditional romance comics genre is dead, more or less. I mean, there have been the occasional series that kind of tries to bring it back. Yet at the same time, there are a lot more. And usually through independent comics labels or imprints that are independent of the main publisher label, main publisher um, lines that try to hook the same audience that these comics were meant for, but in just ways that are just essentially, I don't know, dramatic or, or, or like oriented toward them. But the sensibilities of teenage girls, especially, have changed in the mm-hmm. last. 30, 40, 50 years. And granted, the other thing is that um, a number of comics that are geared toward that audience are written by... More and more women are writing them, too. Where uh, Whereas um, at least most of the creator credits I could find for this were men. So there's that, too, that you you can consider. But, you know, we've... I mean, there, there's been romance oriented comics. I have Strangers in Paradise yeah. staring at my shelf staring me off the shelf. And mm-hmm. um but yeah that's one. And then there's some other ones. Um Oni Press put out a few over the years and you know where it's it's almost like a John Hughes movie
1: mm-hmm.
0: rather than say, you know, uh Young Love or Girls Love or yeah. Secret Hearts or whatever or whatever you and got. I-
1: yeah, and I think with Strangers in Paradise, I know vaguely about it. I've actually never read it, though I've been interested in checking it out. Mm. And I would even say to a certain extent, Spider-Man loves Mary Jane, though that's mm. very, you know, that's like tween love. Yeah. And it's not like really heavy. Uh, it, they had the the gift of covering many issues so developing that story and developing the characters so you really got to like them first and then see you know what the relationships are whereas this comic that we saw we, we've got it broken up into three stories and you're like thrown into this and you don't necessarily care about the characters and that's why I think it, it's just so ridiculous is you've got to get you have a a small page number uh, mm-hmm. to, to get your story done so maybe that's why they didn't sell as well as as strangers in paradise or other things that are out now
0: yeah, it was still very much of a time when the ongoing comic story was was very much a rarity, especially in this genre, because right. you couldn't count on the same person buying the comic from mm-hmm. month to month to month to month. You know, we didn't have pull lists back in uh, 1971, which is when when our when the comic we're going to be talking about today came out. So. And horror comics were kind of the same way, at least some of the DC ones, where there'd be like two or three, there were anthology books, so there'd be like two or three stories in an issue of ghosts, for instance. And yeah, you're right. They're kind of, you know, there's not a lot of development. They all kind of had the same tropes and stuff like that, so.
1: Yeah. Do you think primarily women were buying Secret Hearts? Um...
0: I've done absolutely no research into this, but I'm going to assume... It'd be assume, hard
1: to say. Yeah. yeah, it'd be
0: hard to say, but I'm going to assume that at least maybe back in its early days, they were. hmm You know, when, when the... Because back in the 50s, there were a number of romance comics on the stands that, from what I can understand, probably sold pretty well because, you know, they ran for 10, 15, 20 years in some cases. So I can imagine that a number of girls... Maybe not... Teenage girls, but, and I mean, granted, the, the term tween didn't exist back in, you know, this, right. This even the term tween is a very, very recent development. But I think that audience, um, that sort of 10, 11, 12 year old girl who would go on to read from my generation were the ones who were reading um, the. Babysitter's Club and then Sweet Valley High.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And the mature stuff for them were the Judy Bloom um books, stuff like Forever and uh Are You There Got It To Me Market and stuff, stuff that I've never personally read, but mm-hmm. but those sort of very seminal books and stuff and and the those book series were kind of kind of akin to this, even though they have a lot more depth to them. But then again, they're, you know, series of novels that much like a Strangers of paradise or a, a comic I covered a couple of years ago on this blue Monday or, or some others where they have recurring characters over this, a series of books whereas this is like a, a one off and stuff. Right. So
1: I wonder what would happen if I gave this issue to one of my eighth graders, <laughs> <laughs> one of my eighth grade girls, I found this. Because right now, I mean, I think this generation is all about you know Cosmo and and all those you know mm-hmm. girly magazines. So it'd be interesting to see what they would do. They would laugh at me, but it, it, <laughs> you know that be was fun.
0: A, that was a question I I I, I probably because I teach you teach eighth graders I teach sophomores so there's not that much different uh, difference. I mean, the drama might be a little bit ramped up, but I, I've wondered maybe I should ask some of the some of the girls I have. Do they still read 17? YM, that sort of my sister got YM and never yeah. really read it. But that was my sister was my sister's thirty four, so she's not, you know we were teenagers in the nineties when when um people would still read that. Um, you know, my wife my wife read Seventeen and Cosmo and stuff up until probably about her early twenties. But I, I don't even know if girls read the, that sort of stuff anymore, you know?
1: I hope not, only because I've read a couple Cosmos, you know, waiting in waiting rooms. Oh, yeah. And some of the things that's in there are actually, like, pretty disturbing to think about, Uh, you know, teenagers reading or your 8th graders, 12, 13. Yeah. So I, I hope not, but who knows what they're reading.
0: It is – um. The think the disturbing thing is that it hasn't. I could probably pick up an issue of. Because back when Amando used to get Cosmo, I would flip through it because, mm-hmm. you know, that or Marie Claire or. <laughs> yeah. And because I'd flip through it because I'd be bored. And I could probably guarantee you that if I were to just grab an issue of Cosmo off the stands right now and read through it, there wouldn't be much difference. Like it's just this recurring theme with every oh, yeah. issue and stuff. But yep. then again. You know, twenty years ago, they were reading Cosmo and stuff, and guys my age were sneaking Playboys. You know, and so the graphic stuff we were reading at twelve or thirteen—it's kind of—it's kind of weird. Like you—you—you you, you get so far beyond that age, and you're like, "Oh my god, how could somebody that age know all about this?" But then you read, you remember like the stuff you snuck into the house or your friend's brother had when you were 12 or 13, mm-hmm. especially when you were 12 or 13, you were a boy and you're like, Oh yeah. I was actually having this conversation, not about porn, but about <laughs> violence this morning with a couple of students in my second period. We're talking about violence in video games. Mm-hmm. Cause I was telling them how, when, when I was about their age, mortal combat came out and people like lost it. Yeah. Um, you know, like, oh, my God. And so we were talking about violence intelligence. and television. And I, I was saying, you know, like, I have a seven-year-old. I'm not going to have him play, you know. He plays the Lego games, but he's not playing, like, Injustice, you know, because mm-hmm. there's just a level of violence there. But that's, you know, parenting. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, sometimes I wonder, like, how did I get away with watching The Terminator
1: oh, when
0: I was, like, 11?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> His, he was—he watched Return of the Jedi, and he was like, "My my two of my favorite characters died." I was like, yeah. "I'm sorry, buddy."
1: <laughs> oh, that's sad. You know, Wago Wago games are pretty violent too. I mean, if you die, you explode in total Lego pieces.
0: Oh yeah, but I mean, it's <laughs> but it's it's the same sort of cartoon violence and the level oh, of yeah. stuff that I was watching yeah. when I was watching um, Roadrunner cartoons when I was six years old.
1: Oh yeah, no doubt. So. Yeah, I was never allowed to play Mortal Kombat when I was a child either.
0: I didn't have a when I was a kid. Um, I had I was allowed to play it when I was at friends' houses, but we didn't have a video game system beyond the NES, mm-hmm. so I would have never had the chance to play it at home. And um, in college, my roommate had a PlayStation, and we used to play the crap out of Mortal Kombat trilogy. So, <laughs> yeah. But this podcast is not about. Mortal Kombat. It is, we are covering Secret Hearts number oh. 153. Yeah. This, <laughs> this came out on May 20th, 1971. It is, it's, this is actually the last issue of the series. And, wow.
1: um, what yeah. a, what a keepsake you've got I, yourself, Tom.
0: And as I was, I was saying before <laughs> we went on in the air, um, I got this at random. I was at my, my LCS and I was, back issue bin diving. And I was probably looking for something on my want list in the S's. And I came across this and it had a $3 price tag on it. Um, I grabbed it out of the bin and had a couple other issues with me. And I brought this up and I I looked at the guy at the behind the counter. I was like, you're not charging me three dollars for this are you and he said no and he gave it to me for 50 cents which professor Allen will probably tell me that's still a rip-off but um but yeah this is the last issue in the series uh which i just got completely completely by chance um the cover is by um and and uh All of the information on creator credits, uh, by the way, I should mention, I got off of Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics because there are no creator credits at all in the book. So um, there are no writer credits. And in many cases, there's at least an inker ish mentioned, uh, very much a penciler, usually. Uh, So the cover, according to Mike's Amazing World, is by Bob Oxner and uh, Vince Coletta, Who, if you listen to Back to the Bins or Tales of the Justice Society, is a notorious (laughs) inker. This shows this guy in some garish hippie pants with a guitar slung over his shoulder, telling a very pretty young blonde, Hello, Edie baby. Edie, the blonde, is standing next to a young politician who is saying, Okay, Edie, it's either him or me. And Edie's thinking, why did he have to come back into my life now? Our cover copy is, you can make any man happy if you know the secret. Plus, we have teasers for stories called Hard to Handle and The Man I Love, as well as Let the Stars Tell You When You'll Find Your Man. (laughs) And the other interesting thing here, by the way, that I always noticed about the cover of this is that the DC Comics logo they yes. weren't using the they weren't using the bullet yet. I think the bullet comes in in the late seventies. So the DC Comics logo at this time was usually well, like a white background with the DC in it. But in this case, it's a pink heart.
1: It's very special.
0: Yeah, it's very special. So,
1: <laughs> did they bring that back for that um, Valentine's Day special that they had last year?
0: They may have. They may have. It's been. I think I missed that one. I'd have to go look that up. To be honest with you. I
1: think that was when they were really pushing for the Superman Wonder Woman relationship. Yeah. Ah. I think they were the the center piece of that whole story.
0: Yeah. They just uh I haven't even really That's a book that I completely skipped and I've dropped Wonder Woman since Azarella left the book, so Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what do you think of the cover here? I think it's very typical. <laughs>
1: It is very typical. Uh, to a certain extent, it's very much like a Cosmo thing. You know, say, you can make any man happy if you know the secret. Yeah. And actually, the first time I read that, I thought, oh, there's going to be like a little how-to guide in this as well as some comic stories. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you've got this girl who looks very anxious and worried, and she's in between two men. One's very carefree. The other one's very serious. So mm. looks like there's going to be some drama happening. Yeah.
0: Got to sell the book.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Got to sell the book. And this was approved by the Comics Code Authority, so this is very PG rated here. It's, you know, there's nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> We're not going to set a R-rated territory with this, especially in 1971. Um, yeah, he, she has the typical 60s, 70s girl comic book girl look.
1: Uh-huh.
0: You know? The face, the hair—it's very. There's a Donna Troy ness about her, Super supergirlness ness about her. That's like you know, they're it, it, for the style of the time. It's very, right, very typical. And and hippie guy is very very smug.
1: Mm-hmm. So. I love his cut off jeans in one of the later scenes because <laughs> <laughs> I thought those were ridiculous, but people probably actually wore them.
0: I don't even want to know what people wore back in this. Uh, All right. So our first story is called uh, The Secret. So we're going to find right out right away Mm -hmm. what The Secret is. We open with a story. uh, This doesn't have a writer. Um, The penciling credit, according to Mike's Amazing World, is Jack Katz. The inker is Vince Coletta. Uh, Our first page shows two girls campaigning for Paul Masters and one of them a blonde girl named Edie happens to hand a flyer to the hippie from the cover and thinks, no, no, why did you have to come back into my life? Oh, God, why did you come back? And our copy above the panel says, I was the unhappiest girl in the world because I didn't know how to keep a man. And then I learned the secret. And much like comics of, um, well, the 50s mostly, but of course, since this is technically an anthology book where there are like, three different stories in here the the first page of the story serves almost as a second cover Mm -hmm. so it is a a splash page and uh you know she's she's there with her pink outfit and she's standing next to the brunette who's wearing the um the knee-high socks and the plaid shirt and they're all and and the girl behind her's got her glasses and her wait is that barbara gordon
1: I know, right? It does look like Barbara Gordon and there's little James Jr. right yeah, below he's just her. Sitting
0: there, just sipping on a Coke. Planning all,
1: his first murder.
0: Yeah, they all they all, <laughs> they, all <laughs> they all look like very, very earnest college college girls. Yeah. So the basic story is this. Edie is the fiance of Paul Masters, a candidate for town council. He's been incredibly busy lately. What with the campaign and all. And It's when he's blowing her off for yet another campaign appearance that she runs into the aforementioned hippie who's named Roy and who's an old flame. We flash back to their relationship, which was campfires on the beach and skimpy bathing suits and skinny dipping, getting attacked by a shark and the sheriff covering up and closing the beaches. I wait till this plot to Jaws. Um, No, it's skimpy bathing suits, incredibly awesome sideburns, passionate kissing Uh while he was all. I'm not going to school. I'm not going to let my parents push me around. Nobody can control me. Damn the man. And uh, he decides he's going to leave town. He wants her to come with him. She says, I can't go with you right away. Wait one more day. He's all, "Uh, babe, I'm out of here. And she never sees him again. She has a hard time getting over him. She dates all sorts of guys, including Archie Andrews and then meets Paul, with whom she falls madly in love. Paul asks her to marry him. She says yes. The date's set for after the election, and that leads us up to today. Paul's still overwhelmed, he's lonely, and Roy's all, hey, baby. He tells her that they should, you know, hang. She says that she'll think about it, and then she decides to meet Roy at Red's Tavern when Paul blows her off yet again. So they're having some sort of reunion conversation in a booth at the tavern and Boss Rupert Thorne is sitting at the bar leering at them. <laughs> it's not Rupert Thorne. It totally is. Like I know it <laughs> does
1: actually look like him.
0: Anyway, he's all weirdly into their kissing. Like he's like really really into the fact that yeah. these two were like smooching on each other. I think it's supposed to be like he's drunk. Um and it freaks her out. Roy steps to the guy, but when creepy old guy doesn't back down, Roy decides that he's just going to run out to the, out of the place and into his car. Edie's all, you wuss, what the hell? And realizes that Roy has, well, all Roy has ever done in his life is run. And then he heads home. And then she heads home. She pours her heart out to Paul. Paul gets all upset about her possible infidelity. She volleys with getting upset about his not being around. And finally, when all looks lost, Paul says, oh, Edie, I need you. And Edie says, that's all I really wanted you to say, Paul. I need you, too. I need you. I love you. These are the words that lovers need to hear, especially from people they love the most. Try them on somebody you love. I guess that's the secret. I
1: guess
0: so. Um, and it's not a very long story. It's what, like 10 pages? Nine?
1: Or is that an eight? No. Does it say nine? It's nine, eight.
0: I- it's okay. nine pages so basically
1: you... like a Barbara Gordon when she was in detective comics. yeah
0: yeah so what did you think of that?
1: oh my gosh first of all I mean I wish I would have kept count on panels throughout this entire issue actually of how many times I've seen girls cry because that was like <laughs> basically anything that happened there were there are tears coming Um, I you want to feel bad for this girl because she's being left behind and everything, but I think on the other hand, I feel like knowing that her fiance is going into politics, she should understand what that is going to, the time that is going to be asked of him, and I I feel like she needs it's the time to step up and be supportive of him. Perhaps she's not mature enough. Uh, but then you know this guy comes, I guess, in the nick of time, and we see their nice little romance. But all he does is run, 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 and that whole bar scene—it was super weird. And yeah. is it a bar or is it a diner? I it, can't really tell.
0: It, it says tavern. Yeah. But it looks like a diner, it but does. I think it might be a bar.
1: Yeah. But I, maybe
0: I don't know. Maybe it was a code thing.
1: Oh, okay. Like, yeah.
0: you know, I, I know that by the 70s, the code was starting to get a lot more watered down, but very mm-hmm. it, maybe it's very possible that it's implied that they went to a bar, but you don't even see anybody consuming alcohol. You see uh, the one guy who has a drink in his hand. It looks like a, a mug of coffee. So, mm-hmm. but, right. you know, clearly the guy... This leering, old, balding, fat man is... I think it's implied that he's had a few too many, and he's he's that guy in the bar who's just like, hey, you know, and you're like, back
1: away from me, creep, please. I know. And when he said, well, look what we've got here... I wondered at first if he was a part of um, her fiancé's, like, campaign. Yeah. So he was, was going to catch her in the act, and then there was going to be some real dr- drama happening. But no, he's just this random guy that apparently he could take this young guy, which I thought was a little unbelievable.
0: That that would have actually made more sense, though. Yeah. Because I was honestly wondering um, for the you know little bit I – you know, you and I probably did not meditate on this comic book very long, <laughs> but I was wondering why she wasn't going to the appearance with him, like, right. like not, not that. Uh, this is this is 1971, so in 1971, you still have the idea, and in and in some cases today, you still have the idea of the quote political wife, mm-hmm. you know that 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 a candidate for anything. Um, any elected office wants to project an image. And very often, if he can project an image of an upstanding family man, Mm -hmm. um, especially to, you know, back then, you know, the, 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 the very pretty blonde by his side, um, that would probably work to his advantage. So that's why I was, there was one of the, it was almost, I know it's out of convenience for the plot that she goes and, you know, hangs out with Roy, and she's like, Paul's blowing me off, but she could have very well been a little bit annoyed with, I'm always doing these things for you. Right. You know, that that sort of thing, but...
1: Yeah. I guess another thing I have, this and the third story, it's very easy for the girl in the end because the decision is made for her. It's Mm -hmm. not like she is making the decision because she goes after this this other love that she had, but then she realizes, well, he's just running away again, so I need to go back to the only stable person that there really is. Yeah. And I almost wish that they would have been, you know, fighting for her and a legitimate claim on either side, and she actually, like, sits down and makes a decision on, like, which one is actually better for her. But Mm -hmm. it's so easy because we see the faults in in, uh, Roy that it's easy for her to go back to where she should have been all along. Yeah,
0: and Roy is such a caricature of... (laughs) Of that, even if he wasn't a hippie, he's the caricature of the the wrong guy you dated at the time, you know, like, you know, and then and then that wrong guy walks back into your life, and he really hasn't changed, and you could tell the novelty wore off very quickly for her, Mm
1: -hmm. um,
0: which I'm sure it would, you know, if if that actually happened in real life, and the guy was very much exactly like he was in high school or whenever the heck they, they dated. Yeah. So, yeah. And so. is he
1: wearing a, a talisman that you could buy right from this very issue? Cause I saw a couple like Woodstock items you could buy and it looks like his necklace. He might be, could be maybe he was shopping in the, uh, secret hearts.
0: Yeah. advertising yeah. There, there is a, he is wearing, let me, let me see if I can get a good picture of him. Let's look at the, let's look at the front page one. You can see it from the back. He's wearing... Mo- we'll go from the bottom up. He's wearing, like, moccasins. Yeah. Right? Which today would be... Which I think had fringe on them. Yeah. Striped bell-bottom pants.
1: Yeah. huh
0: <laughs> This... Jacket with fringe in the bottom that has, like, all of these Native American-looking animals and symbols on it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A, a neckerchief... That would make uh Fred from Scooby Doo jealous. <laughs> Just like and yeah, and he's got the talisman. He's got it he's got it at least in one um one shot when she's especially on page, what is it, uh, four when she's recounting their, their right. past romance and, yeah. and and he's been pulled over by a cop because the cop's saying, You kids, you think you own the whole world, don't you? <laughs> Get off my lawn. Um, yep. So, but yeah. And then she goes through on the bottom of page five, she goes through like three different outfits, three different guys. One yeah. of whom looks like he should be like the weird wizard guy from like a sixties sci-fi show with the, with the bowl haircut. Maybe it's supposed to be like a Beatles cut. And I'm not kidding. When I say the guy all the way on the right in the bottom panel of page five looks like Archie. <laughs>
1: And then, yeah, the guy in the middle looks like he's the most put together, like a businessman.
0: Yeah. In a purple and black striped suit. So, it's Harry Osborn, maybe. It is Harry. Maybe it's Harry Osborn. <laughs> Before the drugs.
1: Oh, gosh. So,
0: but, yeah, you're right. She she has a very because, – because it seems to be that the message is not that deciding the guy is wrong for you and – Asserting yourself in the relationship with your with your current beau as it is, but just making the right choice between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm looking at this from the perspective of somebody who is older than the target audience, male, and it's 2015 as opposed to 1971. But at the same time, there is a there is a little bit of a ridiculous. Th- this would have, I think, even in that era. Where the women's movement really has started to take hold, this would have seen at least a little bit antiquated already. But maybe I'm just projecting.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I think you're you're probably right about that. I was just thinking about that last page. I wonder, you know, out of ten times, how many times would they have just kept walking and not turned around and said what they said in the last two panels? Yeah. Because what if it just ended like they walked away and that's it? Well, kids, the secret is you got to love the one you want or whatever that song is.
0: Love the one you Love you're the with. one
1: you're with, yes. <laughs> yes.
0: so between our first and second story now on the inside cover you have um you can stop ugly nails yes um I guess this is the the women's equivalent of the Charles Atlas oh, ad or something. I don't know. I Extra large super that. nail kit. Yep. A dollar ninety eight. Not too bad. Magic nail formula. Yeah. This is is this in the days before the Lee press on nails?
1: I I would not be able to tell you the history of that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have no experience with them.
0: <laughs> Between our first two stories, we actually have. Two ads that don't seem to be marketed toward girls. They're just your typical comics ad. Yep. This is a Lucky Clover Club, which kind of looks like... A Chia Pet. Yeah, it looks very Chia Pet. Um, and then the Twin Whistling Astro Tops. Mm. And a 10-in-1 scope. So just kind of crappy toys that... Um, I think, like, I think some of these kind of still exist in one form or another because they... It's the type of crap you find in like a gift bag at a kid's birthday party. Yeah. That gets about two hours of play out of it before it ultimately, you know, falls apart. Yeah,
1: I remember having one of those, and you like hold it down, and you rip out the cord, and then mm-hmm. you let like go, and it spins around.
0: Yeah. They they have um they have versions of it with like where it's a little helicopter. Yeah. And and so the helicopter can fly away and everything, and uh, they actually get some height on them. I I think I, I think Brett had one until it broke.
1: <laughs> hit we'll, the ceiling.
0: No, we would fly it outside, so it probably crashed. Like, oh, okay. It, the umpteenth time crashing in the driveway probably broke a little piece of plastic. So um, that was the first of three stories, and the second one is the worst
1: story of the bunch.
0: It's so short too. It's um, it's four pages. Yeah. Um, I don't have a writer or penciler
1: because they're ashamed.
0: <laughs> Maybe they no are. Kidding. Eight. Oh my gosh. They cashed the check, it was done. Vince yeah. Coletta is um is given credit as the inker. It's a it's a story called Hard to Handle. It's about Georgie, who's the swinginest cat with his fringe suede jacket yep. and his striped pants. And he shows up for the bowling at the bowling alley with his crew, and he's got a black eye. Mm-hmm. And they want to know about what happens, and it happens that <gasps> chick gave him the black eye we get this flashback about how he was out on a date with this girl named Terry he kept trying to put the moves on her she kept brushing him off he put the moves on her again she slapped him he took her home he tried to really put the moves on her and she having a brown belt in judo beat the crap out of him his friends think that she put him in the hospital for a week but what really happened is that he married her because what else can you do with a chick Gosh. like that. What? I
1: oh, know. I couldn't. I actually said when I was reading it, I said out loud, What in the world? What? And then I was cursing your name because you made me read it. <laughs> and it was I wasted. It's only four pages. I know, but you, it's. Four you wasted pages. five I minutes not get back. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I guess it's Barbara Gordon. All I could think about was, well, Barbara Gordon had a brown belt. <laughs> That's and true. Judo as well. When she was first introduced, this guy is such a creeper. I know. Number. I mean, all of the things that he, uh, like, putting the moves on her so many times, and she's saying no. Like, it's I. We're so close to oh there God. being some sort of bad thing happening, this, and then him. Yeah. No, you go ahead. If
0: this were the eighties, this would have been a, a like a anti date rape PSA Uh, you know like this would have been like no means no PSA or something like right up to the right up to the end except for Uh, the marriage thing
1: yeah and you know he uh says he won't touch her when he gets up in the room but of course that's a lie I don't even know she was an idiot for bringing him up there (laughs) and then just the level of physical violence what in the world and it ends with marriage I was just astounded. I, I still have no idea what happened. Why would she even agree to the marriage if she was hitting him over the head with a flower pot? Yeah.
0: Well, I mean like he – he, he they, 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 they drive up to her apartment and he says um, – or his apartment I think and – Is it his? Um, yeah, because he says, look, this is where I live. Oh, how, yeah.
1: How about I'll How about out.
0: coming up for a cup of coffee? Which – as we all know, um, at least I learned from watching Seinfeld, co- coffee never means just coffee. Of course. Um, just to show that I, I'm forgiven, I promise to behave Scouts on her. And then the caption says, I played it cool. So cool, butter wouldn't have melted in my mouth. Oh, my
1: gosh. What?
0: The-
1: <gasps> and all the while, like the entire issue, she calls him Mr. Carter. Yeah. Which why would you t- call that? Why would you agree to go on a date with him in the first place?
0: And then they married. So you know they divorced in like 1972.
1: <laughs> Potentially, <laughs> you think they got back together then?
0: I don't know. I, I you see, I, I I'm. It's my hope that Terry was like, "What was I thinking?" and came out of it and just went on her merry way and lived her life and. He's still hanging around the same bowling alley, trying to hang out with the. He's the he became the creepy guy who tried tried to hang out with the teenagers, and the only reason that he, they would let him hang out with them is because he would buy him beer. You know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's,
0: it's it's Mr. Carter, the old the old crazy hippie.
1: <laughs> oh my! I'm surprised she didn't walk in at that last panel, like coming into the bowling alley.
0: I know, but the I. The marriage thing threw me. I was like,
1: "I agree." What? That... Yeah.
0: Even for this comic, that's very very weird. Yeah. So,
1: I, I, I don't. I don't even know. It would have been interesting to see her have four uh, pages mm. on like her perspective of what was going on.
0: That would have made a good eight to nine page story. Actually, yeah. His side, you get her side. Yep. And um, that's very romantic comedy, actually. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what they were going for. I don't know. It's just like we're going for an ironic comic twist that doesn't – it's clunky to begin with, you know, despite the creepiness of it all. It's very, very clunky. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. Boy, you know, I hope your listeners pick this up just to read this story.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, po- I'll Maybe I'll post a couple of um, scans.
1: That'd be good, the, just so they the can. Blah. I mean, all you have to do is uh, put the last page, and that basically summarizes the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! Did you know this kind of stuff was in it before you started reading?
0: When I bought it, no.
1: Okay. It so like, it was all a surprise. Was you know, it was, it was today the first day you read this? Um, Or did you read it before?
0: I had uh, – to do this show was the first time I had like read it, read it. I had skimmed over it when I first got it. But like, you know, kind of in the way that I just kind of like, you know, glanced at the story, looked at the pictures. I was like, oh, this kind of looks really cheesy and then put it away thinking, okay, I'll maybe I'll pick this up and read it one day. Um, but no, to, to do this podcast so that it was maybe, I don't know, two nights ago
1: mm-hmm.
0: was the first time that I had actually sat and actually read the comic. Um, and I, I seriously had to do a double take yeah. on, on this page.
1: Did you, uh, share this with your wife at all? No. Any of these stories? No, I
0: should.
1: I, yeah, I'd love to hear her reaction to some of this stuff going on.
0: <laughs> She'd be like, She's like, you paid too much for this.
1: 50 cents, 50 cents
0: is too much for this. Oh, uh, now the ad, we've got a three page ad yeah. for posters. This Ooh, is pretty cool. Blacklight posters. Yeah, this is this is very um it is campus campus classics. Express yourself, be yourself, do your things with these great new things, and it's all different Peace signs and an easy rider poster, um, a Don Quixote poster for some reason. You know what this reminds me of um every in the first couple of weeks of every year when I was in, at Loyola back in ninety five to ninety nine they would have this big poster sale where some company would come and they'd have just big books of posters and they'd be like five bucks a piece and you know you'd get your you know your your Reservoir Dogs posters and your Pulp Fiction posters and your Star Wars posters but then you get your Pot Leaf poster your Bob Marley oh, so and you know that one yeah. poster that has all the how to make all the different shots and like you know all the different dorm posters that totally yeah. this yep. what this reminds me of yeah. Which which one would you buy?
1: Of those posters? Um I like the uh the sun at the bottom there. Mhm. It's uh Oh, women's liberation. Look at that. That's that's totally I'd get that.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: All right. They're pretty cool. I um I wish I could see this giant one at the bottom to see what it cuz I'm sure it's pretty psychedelic.
0: Yeah, that that is a uh It's almost like a magic eye type of Yeah. type of be- type of deal.
1: I'm sure it works when you're like laid out on something.
0: Yes. I could imagine. <laughs> I would probably get a headache. Yeah. And then you if put you put open- it above your
1: bed on the ceiling and use that to go to bed.
0: Oh god. <laughs> 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 then you have um then if you open up it's a three page ad, so then you have, mm-hmm. have Zodiac posters, some of which actually look pretty interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. But then you
0: have a lot of um headbands and yep. a, a love lamp. Um oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Necklaces, rings, just a bunch of hippie crap. <laughs> I'm sure there's a store somewhere in Charlottesville that still sells this stuff.
1: I mean people wear those watch bands still.
0: Yeah. That's true.
1: There's actually a place uh, where my parents live called A Little Bit hippy, which mm. I am not ashamed to say I have bought things from. Hmm. But, uh, but their things, I think, are a little better than that, better than what we're seeing here. But certainly you can get the, the same sense of, of what's there. Yeah. But yeah, I think that Roy probably shopped from this very advertisement.
0: Our next section, which is basically the middle of the book, is Follow your stars to love. And it Yay. is a, it is the horoscopes.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So um, let's read each other our horoscopes, Stella.
1: Okay. <laughs> what,
0: what's your sign?
1: Oh, my, my sign is Scorpio. All
0: right, Scorpio. Okay. You'll be dating a lot the second half of the year, mm-hmm. but you'll be plagued by feelings of jealousy. Oh. When he calls to cancel your date... You'll suspect he's two-timing. When he introduces his cousin who's come to stay for a few weeks, you'll see green. Cry out your worries on your girlfriend's shoulder. At the end of this year, you'll be relaxed and smiling, and a a magnificent outdoors type will loom on your horizon. By fall, he'll have fallen for you. If he's Taurus, you'll have lover's quarrels. Otherwise, he'll be Cancer, Virgo, or Pisces. Resist the temptation to point out his faults, or he'll start noticing yours.
1: So apparently 1971, it's okay to uh, date your cousin, uh, because I'm apparently jealous of this cousin that has come to visit. That's a little interesting.
0: Maybe in some states still. I don't know.
1: (laughs) It's funny about the cousin because after I read that and then the next story with the whole cousin issue between the two, I was like, oh, that's funny.
0: (laughs) So I'm a cancer.
1: Okay. The first page here. Don't fret if you have spent the first part of the year feeling neglected and manless or in your case, womanless. Patience. Your midsummer night is waiting in the wings he'll
0: <laughs> is, Just keep going.
1: <laughs> he'll claim you in July or August and you'll fall in love immediately. Your first months together will be rocky as you both sort out your very strong feelings for each other. If he's Taurus, Virgo or Pisces, your love will run smoother in the fall. Otherwise, he'll keep you guessing. One minute he's hot, the next he's cold, and if he talks about going steady, be careful, for you need secure love and stability. Ooh! Wow. So I guess, uh, because I was saying all of those he's, uh, I guess this really is, you know, catered yeah. towards uh, the women yeah. there.
0: Do people go steady anymore?
1: Um. I know.
0: I never. I don't think
1: so. I Give them their pin that. and yeah. have a uh, milkshake with two straws. Yeah.
0: I. I. Um. I teach with somebody who is of that generation. Um, We were talking about that last week at lunch about how she was in a sorority back when she was in college in the, oh, maybe the early 70s. It was, she's definitely of the Woodstock. I think she was at Woodstock. Um, And she was talking about being, you know, being in a sorority and being pinned and you know the whole and you know, all that crap and it was just kind of funny because i also teach with somebody who is a much younger younger than both of us she's like 23 24 and um she's in the the junior league which is like that whole debutante yeah. thing nothing good. so uh, they're just kind of like it, it, She's it's kind of funny because it's sometimes she's that that girly enough to be the junior league, and then sometimes she's like, you know, I'm like, How are you in this organization? You're totally not that type. But it was just kind of funny to hear them talk about that whole weird these old traditions of dating and stuff when uh, you know, totally not what I went through in college and like, you know, back then and stuff like that. So Mm We have one more ad before our last one, and um, out of sight products, and this is just, um. get this in the light here so I can see, it. oh, oh, it's all teen, it's all teen. It's all teen,
1: Partridge Family it's stuff. all
0: Partridge Family stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Bobby Sherman, Bobby Sherman was part of the Partridge Family, but he's of the same era. Um, David Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Susan Day was cute. I will give you that. But, yeah, I want you greatest. Be a member of the Partridge Family fan club. Do you have the hots for David Cassidy?
1: I don't. But I do. You know, I've watched the occasional Partridge Family episodes, so I do enjoy that.
0: I was more of a breedy Bunch person oh, myself. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you have a teen idol crush back in the day? Like I had a thing when I was little. I did have a thing for Alyssa Milano, with like most people, most guys my age did. Oh yeah, when she was what on the, the Boss? List. Yeah, because yeah. she was she was slightly older than me,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so it was like you know. So and she's very attractive. So that that was that was the thing. Her and Tiffany uh Kelly Kapowski.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> Ethan Tiffany. Yes, Eason. Eason. Which, who's, who's on uh, White Collar? Well, yeah. that's ended now. But um, I guess it probably, the big one, I know Jonathan Taylor Thomas was one that was big with uh, um, Tool Time. hmm And um, I, I think the biggest probably was Leonardo DiCaprio, which is funny because I think, like, he really hit his high when he was younger. And then mm-hmm. there was a bit of a break, and now he's really back again. But, yeah, I mean, I was in middle school when, or a little younger, when Titanic came out, okay. and before that he had done What's Eating Gilbert Grape and the the Basketball Diaries, all of this stuff. So uh, yeah, he was really big, and I think probably he would have been um, perhaps the crush that I had. But I was also watching Power Rangers, so you know, okay. Tommy and Jason are pretty dreamy. Yeah.
0: I found it funny. The one actor who's kind of crossed generations of the first kind of few years I was teaching was Johnny Depp.
1: Oh, because yeah. It,
0: because 21 Jump Street was yep. on TV when I was in junior high school and mm-hmm. girls loved Johnny Depp. Yep. And uh, when when I started teaching the Pirates of the Caribbean movies were at, at their height and they loved them some Johnny Depp. So
1: I bet they were out getting uh, 21 Jump Street and watching it.
0: Yeah, well, I actually recommended um, that to a couple of girls, and they were like, they were surprised at how well the show held up. Uh huh. So, because they were like, you know, they watched it for Johnny Depp, but it actually was a a decent it was a good show to show. watch. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. My parents or my mom, anyways, found like the complete series at Sam's Club for a really cheap price, and she got it on a whim for me. I thought, oh, I don't know about this, but I watched it and I enjoyed it.
0: I have seasons one through three on DVD, and when I get a little bit of money, I'll probably just buy four and five. Um, so yeah, I know it, 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 it's it's really good. Mm-hmm. I could ask my wife what who she thought of. She currently her current thing is um, Paul Rudd and John Hamm,
1: oh, okay. and Chris Evans. Oh, so
0: wow. and Chris actually, um, uh, and Chris Pratt. That's the other one. So
1: are you making her watch superhero films?
0: Yeah, actually, yeah, she okay. well, we watched we've we went and saw the Avengers together when the derecho hit a few years ago because mm. the old Regal cinema was the only place open with air conditioning.
1: Okay. Cuz
0: our we didn't have power.
1: Yeah.
0: Um we watched we've watched both Captain America movies together. She really really enjoyed them. I I thought they were phenomenal. Mm. Um we watched uh we have we haven't watched Guardians of the Galaxy, although I just got it from Netflix the other day, so we'll probably watch it this weekend, but yeah, we'll watch we're watching the flash together as well
1: oh yeah I'm
0: two episodes behind okay but um and we've watched a couple of episodes of Arrow together, but i'm I'm like a season behind on arrow so oh, once gosh. I'm once I'm able to catch up with that I, I will but um but no, yeah, so yeah, I think it's part of it is just because the two of us just want something to watch, and we're we're interested in you know that sort of stuff. So
1: uh-huh.
0: you know, but we also watch Fashion Police and Project Runway and <laughs> and and Top Chef and and all that other stuff. So yeah, yeah. so we got one more story to go,
1: uh-huh.
0: and you have been such a good sport, and I really really do appreciate this.
1: Hey, it's been fun, despite the poor middle story that we yeah. had.
0: Now, I will tell you, you'll recognize the name of the penciler on this third story. It's John Romita.
1: <gasps> wow.
0: Yes. the And you forget, John Romita, um, especially before Spider-Man. I mean, this is 71. So he was, I think he'd been doing Spider-Man by then. Um, he did his fair share of romance comics, especially during the 50s, because you mm-hmm. forget that a lot of these guys, even in you were saying how you wondered how many of them got their start, but you also, I also wonder how many of them just did them because that's what paid the bills.
1: Yeah, did it on the side while they were doing bigger stuff.
0: Yeah, because you know, it was like work's work. Yeah. At that, in that day and age. So, mm-hmm.
1: and you were being paid per page, weren't you?
0: Yeah, I think so. Especially during the if if we go back, I mean this is seventy one, but we go back to the fifties. Especially during that time, when the number of superhero comics being published was minimal, you know, you had three from or you had three characters being published from DC, and that was about it up until the um you know up until the Silver Age started. So so yeah, a a lot of them there were a lot of people who were probably drawing westerns and some science fiction and definitely some romance and funny animals just to keep the lights on. So. Uh, but yeah, remita Ramita pencil, it was inked by Bernard Sachs. There's no writer credited to this one either. Our first page shows a desperate-looking girl telling a Ken doll-looking guy. He exactly. seriously looks like a Ken doll. Um, and look
1: at his sideburns, very manicured. Yes.
0: That um, he's got to tell her the truth about him and that girl. And he says, all right, you asked for it. I'll give it to you straight. And above the panel is... I had looked up to Michael all my life. I lived for him. I died for, I'd have died for him. And why not? For he was the man I love.
1: At first I thought we were about to read a zombie tale. I died for him. <laughs> a zombie love tale. Okay, continue with this. Why are that, they on the mountain, may I ask? Why does the showdown have to happen in a mountain?
0: I don't know.
1: That bothered me. Plus, it doesn't seem like she's dressed for the weather.
0: Yeah, this is it's and it's too early in the 70s for it to be like, you know, let's all go to Aspen
1: and
0: (laughs) that sort of, you know, like there should be a. James Taylor song playing in the background or something. Um, so basically, Michael's breaking up with this girl whose name is I think it's Arlene, it's spelled A R L I N E. So it looks like Arline, mm-hmm. but I'm assuming you're gonna you're gonna pronounce it Arlene mm-hmm. because he's met another woman who is a challenge. We then have a lengthy flashback where Arlene remembers when she and Michael were kids, and she was always infatuated with him, much to the chagrin of his cousin Andy, who was always a nice guy but was never Michael and he always finished in second to michael arlene and andy were friends of course but her and michael were a couple up until arlene spotted him with a cute brunette and then smacked andy when he told her that michael doesn't love her he just loves the challenge so we get out of the flashback michael dumps her and for weeks she wanders alone less than half alive she's resigned to being alone forever then one spring day, Michael shows up and wants her back, mainly because he has realized that he found out that a guy needs a girl who looks up to him. Mm-hmm. She's And she's all, uh, dude, you want me to put you on a pedestal? And calls him weak. He tries to pull her close. She resists, and Andy shows up and just cold cocks him. Mm-hmm. Michael then gets up and walks sadly away while Arlene hugs Andy, knowing... That's where she belongs. The end.
1: The end. Yeah, uh, you know she wandered. It looks like she wandered this wilderness, and I thought she just walked around for for (laughs) days because of this. Came off the mountain. Oh my gosh. (laughs) oh boy well it's certainly better than the the last one yes i, I did enjoy the flashback and seeing this you know for me this was really the andy story hmm. uh and uh because you really feel bad for him throughout all this stuff and and i don't really like the girl as much just because fawning over this michael doing everything he wants and then even outright saying you know you're not Michael. Michael's above everyone else. He's like beyond human. Yeah. And poor Andy, you know, at every chance he gets to to make something of himself at the sports contest that, you know, the, the pole vaulting and then at the speech, he's just failing miserably, even though he has such potential. And then at the end, he just shows up out of nowhere in this winter uh, wilderness. And finally gives Michael what's what and, and gets the girl, which perhaps he doesn't deserve the girl, but, or maybe the girl doesn't deserve Andy cause he's been there all the time. But, but I do like Andy in this and, and I like to follow his story, but the girl I thought was a little ridiculous.
0: Yeah. There's, there's not much depth to her, especially yeah. since like most of the time when we see her relationship with Michael, it's like, she's just hanging around him mm-hmm. and First of all he's a writer. Yeah. You don't date writers. Um and but he why just Why is that?
1: <laughs> Explain this to us that want to know why.
0: He just seems like he is the type of typical that sort of stereotypical writer who is who is just all up in his own world of how great he is. <laughs> You know, because yep. he's, he, it's just like anything from my favorite author. It's like, you know, and I, I'm with you, the, the idea that he needs a challenge. Mm-hmm.
1: What? Yeah.
0: Like it's the, actually, you know what the, that reminds me of is, um, I class it up a little bit. The beginning of Twelfth Night, where, or, or is pursuing olivia and it's not that he's in love with olivia he just loves the idea of the pursuit because she's playing hard to get mm-hmm. in fact there's a whole extended metaphor of comparing it to a hunt because heart h-a-r-t is another word ah. for a deer yeah. and he so he uses that metaphor and then um there's of course there's a there's a there's a penis joke in there, too, because he's like, you know, once the golden shaft that her heart, you know, in other words, one night with me and she'll forget all about because she's mourning for her brother. And uh, one night with me, she'll forget all about her brother. But um, which sounds worse than it actually is. But it's this whole double entendre thing. But that's what kind of what it made me think of. Like, you know, this guy who's just this total like, you know, dude, bro. And is like, you know, I'm the man. And. Uh, she's playing hard to get that I want her because she's playing hard to get you know not because I like her I know her well you know it's just at least he gets what's coming to him
1: yeah no doubt I wonder how that relationship ended with that with that other girl that he decided to to leave I guess did he finally get her and then she was boring and then he comes back to Arlene
0: yeah I think so probably I found out that a guy needs a girl who looks up to him. Man, I have missed you. So she probably just wasn't giving him the adoration yeah. he thought he deserved.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: sighs>
1: it starts off. So, I mean, they break up. That's how it starts off. Yeah. And then the, the backflash and then, yeah. Yeah,
0: The art is slightly better. I mean, I have a feeling that Ramita probably rushed did very loose pencils and the inker, because from reading, I've read a lot of uh, a fair, I've read a decent amount of Ramita's Spider-Man mm-hmm. stuff from around this time. And it's usually a lot better, a lot more dynamic. Um, so I have a feeling he probably just did a, you know, like here's my pencil job and, and whoever the, inker, uh, the inker finished it for him, but I'm not that familiar with the inker's work. So I wouldn't even, you know, begin to know. Yeah. Um, Especially if it is around the time. Now, for all we know, this was in the can for a while, too. But if this was around the same time that he was doing Spider-Man and stuff, it's probably like, you know, all right, let me do this. (laughs) Because the fight's all right. Mm -hmm. The fight could have gone on for a couple more panels. That would have actually been, yeah interesting. Could have had
1: little lightning bolts coming out of his head to signal a spider sense. And then did something.
0: Don't you get a Flash Thompson vibe off of Michael? Michael,
1: yeah, <laughs> yep. And then yeah, and then you know Andy being torn down all the time, being Parker,
0: very P- very Peter Parker.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't want to call her Gwen Stacy though, because Gwen is way more of an interesting character than, yeah, than Arlene here. So. Yep. <laughs> and uh, beyond this, there's there's no letter page. Um, there's no next issue because this is the last issue. What
1: a bummer, no letters. Yeah. I almost wonder if it'd be like a. What is that? Dear. Uh, dear. Not Dear Alice. Dear Abby. Uh, dear Abby. Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? That. Romantic problems to DC comics.
0: That would have been hilarious. Oh, oh my God, we could have done like 10 more minutes on just reading those letters. I know, <laughs>
1: and, and to think it'd be all male DC editors and writers answering it, no female, it, it'd probably be the worst answers ever. <laughs> <laughs> They'd
0: probably, no, you know what they would probably do? They would probably get like, you know. The, they probably would have grabbed somebody from like the secretarial pool or something from oh, back yeah. in the day and said, here, can you answer these letters or something? You know, be, you know, <laughs> dear Darla, the DC advice columnist or something. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, we have we have a binocular kit ad. Yep. A really cool looking T-shirt with the cover of Action Comics number one. I will That's say that. I really would cool. love that. Yeah. Bailey's on eBay right now, looking
1: for. <laughs> I know, right? Don't you wish there are some really cool ads that I pop through because I've been reading ASM Amazing Spider-Man from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I'm on like 160 or something now, I think. Yeah. And there's some very cool ads that you wish that it was still around, so you could send in your two dollars and get what's offered.
0: Yeah, I see some of those here and there, and very the very few issues of the original Teen Titans series that I happen to own. Um because most of what I have is like in essentials or trades, so there aren't any ads. Which is kind of a bummer because some of those, you're right, some of those old comic book ads are, mm-hmm. these are fun. Yep. Um, so, especially since there's no hot comics ads from American Entertainment.
1: Oh, ass.
0: <laughs> there is a Woodstock-themed jewelry. Mm-hmm. Now, for the first time, you can be part of the Great Happening woodstock no one who is there will ever be the same you know when they sober up Um, pendant they misspelled pendant P-E-N-D-E-N-T I thought pendant had an A in it bracelets, earrings, keychains and then what is this like skinny legs, heavy legs
1: oh gosh what the heck is this oh my god I was actually trying to find I, I couldn't um it's hard for me to read what's going on, but All basically right. you've you've either got two skinny legs and you need to beef them up a little bit or yeah. you your legs are too heavy and you need to swim down but i is it just a book or it, what else goes along with it?
0: It looks like um,
1: only fifteen pleasant minutes a day. what are you yeah
0: doing? it looks like a book. Bu- I stand corrected. This is the equivalent of the Charles Atlas (laughs) Then Yes, it it is. It looks like they are. It looks like they're like workout books that if you follow what's in the book within um, a certain amount of time, you'll have either nice curvy shapely legs and thighs or nice curvy shapely non fat.
1: Yes. Because
0: ladies, you don't want to be fat.
1: And you don't want to be too thin.
0: No, you don't want to be too thin either. <laughs> but on the back, you get a wig.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, what styles you can get.
0: Mm, yeah. You can look like my mom in her old yearbook picture. Oh, my. <laughs> Trying to look and see which one that she was. My mom had short hair. My mom has always had short hair since I, since I've seen old pictures of her. So, I don't know. None of these look like something. A couple of these look like something Liz Taylor would have.
1: Yeah. It comes in 10 attractive colors.
0: It does come in 10 attractive colors. You're right. (laughs) Mixed gray. (laughs) Platinum. Auburn. Dark blonde. Light blonde. Dark brown. Medium brown. Light brown. Off black. What is off black?
1: I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <sighs> it's well, not exactly black.
0: Nah, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna we'll order a dark gray wig. Wonder if some of these companies are still in business. Hmm. Franklin Fashions Corp. Department, EH six five seven, three seventy eight South Franklin Street in Hebstead, New York ask Spataro to go on over there see if they're still around. He's on Long yeah. Island right now. So,
1: or <laughs> write them a letter.
0: Write them a letter. <laughs> That's a podcast episode going through old ads of old comic books, tracking down some of these companies and seeing what happened to them.
1: Yeah, that would be interesting. That
0: would be interesting. So, Is that we-
1: it? Yes. Is that the end of our magical mystery tour? That
0: is the end of our magical mystery tour. It is the end of the romance. Love is gone. You have been such a good sport.
1: Not according to Love's well, not gone according to our uh, our signs.
0: No, not according to our signs. <laughs> but according to the comic book.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> the,
0: all the it. hearts are no longer secret. Oh
1: man.
0: <laughs> the genre and the genre, like we said at the beginning of the episode really is not around anymore yeah. um, at least not in this original form um, I did mention where um, Lichtenstein is one of my favorite painters specifically for his comic book inspired work um, and that some of the there were panels of, of his work that did inspire some of his more famous paintings um, comics geared towards girls and young women these days though is I give it a lot of credit from what I have read or what I have flipped through, or what I have seen advertised, it's a lot more diverse in both story and cast. Um, it's, it makes an effort to reflect its audience on a more accurate level rather than giving you girls who are stereotypes, to be honest with you. Um, it's a lot more character-driven uh, the stories are a much better quality, and like I said, you know there are still a number of stories about girls that are written by men, but there are also a lot of stories about girls and for girls and for women that are written by women, mm-hmm. and um, and I think that's a that's a good sign in in the industry. Even even if the industry does tend to be male dominated, especially the superhero field, it is really nice to see that there are more women writers and artists and, and people crafting stories for that particular segment of the audience because they're underrepresented. And some of the stories I have read have been really, really good too,
1: mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. And I think there are some surprising stories that are written by men too. Mm-hmm. Cause you wouldn't think that they would be, be capable of like really understanding, um, you know, it goes on and, and, uh, what it's like to be a girl, but they actually come out really well. So yeah. I'm not one of those people that you know says more women for you know more women writers for for girl books because I, I think that the men can do it too. Yeah. So
0: I I'd love to see more diversity as long as the stories. Oh still yeah, being no doubt. Good, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Just man, men or woman writing and a crappy story is a crappy story, and we've seen, yeah. we have both seen that. You have seen that, especially on your podcast. I mean. I've come back to Batgirl. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I had. Have you enjoyed it?
0: I have. I have. I'm. I the last issue I re- read was thirty-seven. Is thirty-eight out yet?
1: It is. I, I have, haven't read it. I thirty-seven was the Dagger type.
0: Yeah, yeah. I haven't. I haven't been to the store in a week or two. So, um, I think it's great because I dropped Gail's Simone's run. Mm-hmm. No, probably after like issue zero. And from what I understand, having listened to Batgirls Oracle, <laughs> I didn't, I made the right choice. I, uh, I saved a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but no, I know you're right. I've read some stuff by men that are, um that have, that are female centric that has been very, very good as well. Mm-hmm. But
1: yeah.
0: But yeah, no, it's, it's nice that there's, it's nice that it's not, you know, here's all the stuff for boys and then the romance comics and for girls and everybody can read Archie, but you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's kind of nice that we have a lot more to it. These are very hokey. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you have any last comments on the, one romance comic we've chosen to. Oh my goodness. Show. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. This is probably the first one that I've read through and through, if you would believe. Um, I said before the show that uh, our mutual friend, Donovan Morgan Grant, actually has a showcase of romance comics. And uh, I feel like it's a first volume. I feel like there could be a second volume that's out there of the showcase. And I flipped through that and everything. And that's it's basically comprised of all these sorts of stories but what an interesting trip uh (laughs) into dc comics land and to think that this was issue number one five three yeah so there are 152 other issues like this times three because of the stories and i just wonder is this like the epitome like can we basically say that there are two, yeah, hoagies. and then there's one really terrible one that is yeah. throws you in, for a loop because you have no idea what's going on. But uh, it was entertaining, to you know, to say the least. I think yeah. um, I, I'm just sad that the the women are characterized so badly. But I think yeah. it's that was really the sign of the times. I think they weren't really that strong to begin with at that, you know, written wise.
0: I think you're right. It, it's, it's easy to get offended by something like this. Um, with modern sensibility but Mm -hmm. you always do take a step back when you're reading something from the past and try and i've always tried to not to do that with literature Mm where trying to to put current political sensibilities to something that was written in this case was 45 years ago almost so you know there's only so much that you know that you can you can take away from it um but no really thank thank you for being good sport and thank you of for coming course. on. This this actually Thanks was for really. Thanks for
1: asking me. Yeah, I mean, I it was an honor to be asked to do a Valentine's Day uh shipper episode with you.
0: Are you doing a shipper special this year?
1: I am doing a shipper special this year for uh, Batgirl the Oracle. Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> we started off, you know, at the DC. My first one was Hawk Girl and uh Green Lantern mm-hmm. from Justice League, and then we took something that wasn't DC with Robotech, which is a, a favorite. Um, I
0: loved that episode. <laughs> there no, you I'm go. I read, um, I saw the. I watched the series when I was a little kid because it was on TV. But I've also read. And I might have. I don't remember if I contacted you or Don, because this was. Way, I think this was way back before I knew you. Mm-hmm. Um, I had read all the novels. Because there was, you know, there were the Jack McKinney written tie-in novel, like um, oh, yeah, License Plate yeah. and I had bought them at a Borders like 20 years ago when Borders first opened, and I read all the way up to the end of the Circle, which was the lat was like number 19, and that went in a direction because it had to, because there was only so much material they could a- adapt, and it got really, um, like. Love and romance, and the whole nature of all those things is really, really weird and interesting. Um, people who are hardcore fans of the show probably wouldn't like it, but for what it was, it was actually halfway decent. But no, I loved that Robotech
1: episode, (laughs) yeah. I it's it's it continues to be Donovan's favorite, like, I can't beat it for him. That's just his favorite thing. So then we went back, we did Mad Love, and we did a crazy uh, read as you go Two Face one for that. Mm -hmm. That, uh, R-rated Tooth Face story. So we're going back to actually an anime that I stumbled upon when I was still in college, and it is so wacky, but I love it so much. And it's called, and it's basically shipping all the time. It's called Uran. High school host club. And it's basically about this like group of uh, young men in in high school. And their job is like to be hosts for these girls like during tea time. Like the girls come in and they say, you know, I want such and such to be my host. And then, you know, they fawn over them. But hijinks ensue, of course. And uh, there's a girl – And she knocks over like an 800 million dollar yen or 800 million yen vase. And she has to pay it back somehow. So she actually looks like a guy. So they dress her up and she becomes a host. So it's she's our main character. But uh, yeah, it's just so kooky. And I thought, you know, we did Robotech. We're going to do my favorite. And then next year we'll do something else. But I do always look forward to the the shipper episodes where we do a countdown of our top five. Shipper episodes.
0: Is, where can they find What? Where, where can anybody listen to this find you in case
1: they haven't heard of you yet? Yeah, so you can listen to me. My show, which is grown with no uh, MSG or uh, <laughs> hormones or anything involved, is uh, Backworld Oracle, and you can get to that on iTunes or you can go to thebatmanuniverse.net and it's hosted there. I'm also on the Batman Universe Comic Cast, which comes out every two weeks. And I'm on Gotham Chronicles, which highlights the uh, bit we review Josh Bertoni, Donovan Morgan Grant, and I review each episode of the Gotham TV series. So that's a weekly podcast. And then every month, boy, I'm on too many shows. Every month, uh, I get together with Josh, Don, and Chris, uh, Chris Linus, Linus, uh, at the comic book film review. Comic film review. Yeah, where we just pick we pick a, a movie and we review it. So last we did Catwoman. That was sure interesting. <laughs> and next up we're going to do Dick Tracy. Donovan's going to be leading us on that one. So that's – yeah, so you can find me in all those places.
0: All right. Cool. Thanks again. And uh, next episode I'm going to tackle a genre that – Is not dead. It still has its fair share of comics being published, uh, some by DC, many by other companies, and that is Action Adventure. Until then, take care and thanks for listening.
1: Jerry.